Well, good morning, Arlington Woods. Good to be with you this morning, as always. Well, I want to start by showing you a picture. It's, it's just simply a picture of a road. Nothing kind of special about it other than the fact that it has some connection to me. In fact, it might even be a road that you've been on. It's Concession Road 10, which is just outside of Westport, Ontario, about an hour and a half away from here, and a number of men would have bypassed this road actually a couple of weeks ago on their way to Camp Iowa where there was a men's retreat. But Concession Road 10, road 10 is a road that you have to take if you want to get to get this. Wolf Springs Resort. And no, I don't own it. I'm not that well off. But our family was gifted back in January a week's stay at Wolf Springs Resort, and it's, it's a beautiful place. It's got beautiful surroundings, backs onto a golf course. It's near Wolf Lake, kind of like right next to it. And so we, this was a place we had never been before. So I want you to picture this. We're traveling there on a Friday night. We've got the GPS on. We find Concession Road 10. We're on Concession Road 10. It's a bit of a rough road. It's kind of a, it's a long road. It's pitch black out. There's no street lights. The GPS stops working at one point. And all of a sudden, we see some lights off to the left, which seems to be like some, some civilization. But we stay on the road that we're currently on, and we go a little bit further, and we end up at about this point here. We stop, and we decide to stop, and we turn around. The next day in daylight, we see that if we had gone, what, I don't know, 50 meters further the night before, we would have maybe found that our car doesn't swim all that well in a lake because that's where the boat launch was or where the boat launch area was. Have you ever been on a road where it's kind of felt like you're not on the right road? Or perhaps have you ever been on, you're going someplace and there's a sense in the car that you're kind of lost and the wife in the passenger seat says, you know, maybe we should stop and ask for some directions. And, and her man immediately says, no, nah, it's okay, we'll find it. Have you ever been there? I just saw three women just take their elbow and drive it into their man's side. Well, this morning we're going to talk about being on roads, and that spiritually speaking, it makes a big difference on what road you're on. It's also the first Sunday of, of Lent, as you already know by now. And it's this 40-day period leading up to the time of Jesus' death and resurrection to help us remember the significance of those events in our lives. It's 40 days. 
of putting maybe one weary foot in front of another with the hope of the resurrection. It's 40 days of perhaps giving something up, opening up our hands and letting go so that we can have our palms be in receipt of something. It's 40 days that I would add is also a time to reflect on our own mortality and to do some self-inspection about what role we're actually on. And that it's a time for self-examination to reflect about the life that you and I are living in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. In the Gospel of Matthew, or at least according to Matthew, it records that Jesus makes some of the most controversial statements that he makes anywhere. And in the season of Lent and self-examination, I think they are appropriate for us to actually grapple with, the, with them this morning. To kind of wrestle with them, to ponder them, to reflect on them. If we're going to actually be genuine believers and followers of Jesus Christ. So this is what he says. This is how he starts off, or at least in chapter 7, beginning at verse 13. Jesus says this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What is Jesus saying? Well, everybody is on a road. Everybody is on some spiritual path to some destination. Everybody is on something that we're heading towards. And it's a brilliant metaphor. I mean, your faith, your spiritual beliefs, your commitments based upon your beliefs is taking you somewhere. Everybody is on a road. Every one of you is basing your life on what you believe and your decisions that you make tomorrow on whether or not there is life after death. Whether there is or is not a God who has spoken through the Bible. Whether or not there is a judgment day. Everybody's on a road. And you and I, whatever it is we are living is a reflection of that, of whatever it is that you and I are holding near and dear to our hearts, of what we think is true. There are not a lot of roads that are heading up a mountain to go to some destination. Have you ever heard or somebody ever said to you, ah, you know what, all religions are the same, they're just all different roads heading up, you know, going to the same place. After all, they're all after God. They're all just seeking God. Have you ever heard that or has anybody ever said that to you? I see some nodding on the heads, yeah. Some people, you see, they have this idea that there are many roads that are leading to this one destination. But Jesus is in a head-on collision with that kind of thinking. Is saying, you know what? No, there are not a lot of roads heading to one destination. There are two roads going to two destinations. And everybody is on one or the other. 
Jesus tells us. He tells us what the narrow way is. Small is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life. And the question is then, what is the way? What is the way? Well, Jesus, he tells us. He tells us this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way of the narrow or the small gate is Jesus that one gets on that leads to life. And the reason that the gate is, is narrow, the road is narrow, is because it requires us to turn from our sin and follow Jesus. So choices matter. Learning to follow Jesus and to know God as Father matters. All of that matters. Future destinies are shaped by the choices that you and I make in the present day and age. And it's interesting that the two roads that lead to life are described in multiple ways. Wide versus small. Narrow versus broad. Destructive versus life. Many versus few. And we could even add easy versus hard. If you were born in, I don't know, most places in Canada, most places, it's likely that you probably learned English, to speak English, right? If you were maybe born in, in Newfoundland, like, you know, Darren Dix, it was funny English, but, but generally speaking, right, it didn't require a lot of effort for you to, to learn English. It just came naturally. It was, it was just the natural thing. But if you want to learn a new language, say Ukrainian or Swahili, like some people within our Arlington Woods family speak that because that's their native language. Or let's say French. French would be something that would be a new language for me. It would take a great deal of, of focus and thinking or consciousness. If you don't think about what you're saying, you're probably just going to speak your native language. But if you want to speak a new language, you have to take great concentration and focus to think about what you're saying. And Jesus is saying here in the Gospel of Matthew, he's saying, how do you know? How do you know if you are on the broad and the easy road or the narrow and the hard road? How do you know? Because it's not something that, you know, in terms of the way of Jesus, it's not something that you're born into. It's not something that just happens overnight. It's not something that you are caught up into if you were raised in it. It actually takes an act of the will. It's movement on your part that is unnatural. In other words, whatever is popular, whatever is natural, is broad road thinking or an easy way of doing things. Ah, everybody does it. Have you ever heard that? Wide is the gate, and broad is the road, and many enter by it. But narrow is the gate, and narrow is the road, and only a few find it that leads to life. 
And then Jesus goes on to make another controversial statement, this time maybe even for those of us inside of the church. And we're going to see here in a minute that when he's talking about the day or on, on that day, he's talking about the day when he returns, judgment day. And so he says this in verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then immediately after that, he tells them this parable. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and, the, and it beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Seven verses from the very lips of Jesus that ends his Sermon on the Mount. What a way to end it, isn't it? What do you think? Do you think they might be somewhat controversial for those who had ears to hear? They're not, meant to, they're not meant to scare us as listeners, but they are meant to serve as a warning. They are meant to do that because it seems that some will have done remarkable things in Jesus' name without knowing God personally, without knowing Jesus personally. Great and mighty deeds are not necessarily an indication of somebody really belonging to Jesus. And it's possible for some professing Christians who call or say, call Jesus Lord, Lord, who believe that he's the Son of God, who may be in the church, who may be involved in all kinds of goings on in, in and around things that are going on in the church, they're participating. But Jesus may say to them one day, I never knew you. What, what do you mean you never knew them? Well, Jesus prayed this to his heavenly Father in, in John 17, 3. He says this. He said, now this is eternal life, that they know you. In other words, they know you personally. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, to know God is to be saved. And what Jesus is saying here as a warning is really, you know what, you may, you may have some beliefs, you may be in the church, you may be involved in ministry, but not be saved. That's possible. So don't let it come to that day. Don't let it come to that day on that day of when he returns, when he has to maybe say to somebody, you know, 
You didn't have a saving relationship with me. There's no spiritual connection to me. And there never has been. I never knew you. I never knew you. So what, so what counts is knowing Jesus and being known by him. And then he has this. He has this piece about doing the will of the Father, putting into practice his words, trusting and obeying him. Two weeks ago at the men's retreat at Camp Iowa, and I think we even, well, real, we have a picture. I think that's most everybody that was at, at the men's retreat, and it was a wonderful time. Maybe you'll hear a little bit more about it, maybe at some point, but... One of the highlights of the actual weekend was hearing individual stories from some of the, the men who were essentially they were bearing witness about their relationship with, with Jesus. And one of those people that shared was Isaac Odum, who Corleone actually alluded to before, who was originally from Ghana. But he was one of these people that had, had shared with us on the weekend, and he was telling us that Prior to coming to Ottawa and getting a professorship or or teaching job at Carleton University this past fall, the previous five years he had sent out application after application to all kinds of various places. Not to hear back from any or maybe to be turned down. And you can kind of imagine, just imagine, maybe thoughts of discouragement going through your head or questioning, or maybe even some doubts creeping in. But Isaac learned to be patient and to stay the course to trust and obey. In fact, he even started off as sharing with us by singing that great hymn, Trust and Obey, for there is no other way. And it reminds me of something that I came across a while back It says, you know, we here in the Western world, we are influenced by Greek thinking, where we are told that it's important to first understand, to understand first before we obey. But that means that we don't have a fear of the Lord. In Hebrew thinking, however, it's believed that we are to obey first. And then God may provide his rationale and understanding sometime afterwards. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And doing what it says or not doing it is the difference between a house that stays standing in a storm and a house that falls in a mighty crash. I want to end with a a bit of a demonstration that gives you or leaves you with a, a picture of some of the things that we've been talking about this morning here. And it's something that I've seen my friend, Pastor Barry Boucher, do that I think is just effective and in helping to kind of bring together or tie together much of what Jesus has been saying here in these parts of his, of his Sermon on the Mount. But I need some help, okay? Oh, 
don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I need about 15 people, any 15 people up here on the platform. I'm not going to put you on the spot. You don't have to say anything, okay? I just need your physical presence. Like, don't all move at once, I, you know? Okay, about, would you, this, this, it can be anybody. This is about 15 people, all right? Maybe I'll move this over here a bit so you can see. <laughs> okay, so if you can kind of, over here, we're going to kind of form a bit of a crowd. You can be one in front of one another. No. Yeah, yeah, you're going to face this way. Yeah, come over here a little bit. Yeah, perfect. Stand up over here. Can you go in front? Yeah, good. That was a lot of work. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. When I want to try and get, you can move in a little bit up here so we form a little, yeah. When I want to try and get through you, I don't want you to give me opportunity to get all the way through, Okay. Just, just stay where you are. Don't move. Okay, I'll, I'll push you out of the way. Okay? But, no, no. Just let me get, have some inroads into you, okay? So Jesus has been saying that there are two ways in life, right? There's a, a broad road and there's a narrow road. There's an easy way or an easy road and there's a hard road. And... God is calling us as people to step off of the broad road and onto the narrow road because he loves us. He's constantly speaking to our hearts, drawing us to himself. That's what he's always doing. But we know that we, we live our lives, right? We, we live busy lives. We're involved in many things. And we don't always listen or hear that still small voice. We don't always pay attention to the promptings in our lives because we're, we're busy. We're living busy lives. So I want you to, let's, let's walk forward together like this, okay? We're walking forward together like this in life. And then one day, something happens in your heart. You sense that there's got to be more to this than life. This can't be all there is. And I sense the Lord speaking to my heart. Maybe at a time when maybe I'm questioning about things. Perhaps there's some disillusionment. Perhaps things are a little bit messy. And I sense God saying to me, Grant, why don't you quit trying to do things your own way and try my way? And I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to him. And here's what happens when I say yes to him. I turn. I turn 180 degrees, and I'm going in a different direction now compared to the rest of, of culture. My friends, my family, right? The things that they believe, their behavior, all the things that I used to do that I enjoyed before. Now God has changed my want to. And I don't want to do those things anymore. I want to do what he wants me to do. To acknowledge him as Lord 
means to acknowledge him that he has the right to tell me what to do. He has the right to tell me what to do. And that often may mean me going against what the culture is saying to me. How many of you know that that going this way with the culture is easy? But going this way is hard. Because all of a sudden now, my friends are starting to say to me, how come you don't run with us anymore? How come you don't laugh at the same jokes as we used to say? How come you don't talk about people the way we did anymore? And I, I begin to learn that this is, this is spiritual warfare. The Lord says to me, Grant, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you want me in your life? Yes, I want you in my life. And he's saying to me, well then, Grant, you're going to have to travel on the narrow road that often goes against some of the things in our world or in our culture. The things that are contrary to the ways of God and his word. And so, we wonder. We wonder why that You know, when things are kind of uphill and things are kind of getting... Let me through here, Brett. (laughs) And things are are getting hard. We wonder, why, why, why is this a battle? But he says to us, I will be with you. I will help you. I'll provide you with a way out when you feel tempted. You can learn to say no and say it with confidence. Because I am with you. I am in you. I am over you. I am on you. I am beside you. I'm behind you. He is with us. Why don't we thank these people for... There was only really one bad apple in there. Brittany, oh, she, she smiled at me now. Give me the elbows. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for your word and for its truth that speaks into us. And we pray that you would help us. You would help each one of us not to, to veer to the left or veer to the right, but to walk on the narrow path. For we know that as we learn what it means to follow you as Lord, we have been designed for obedience, to do what your word says as it is the way to life. And I pray this morning also, Lord, that as, we've, as Carlene has shared, we pray for many amongst us maybe that have been just kind of feeling ill or poorly. We think about those who maybe couldn't be here this morning. Lord, we are people that I know that we're even going to sing later on here. We are people that are in need of you. But we thank you. We thank you that you want to share your blessings and yourself with us. And you, even in around parts of the world that we've even heard about this morning in Ghana and how you're at work there, we think about Asbury and Wilmore, Kentucky, about just your overwhelming presence. Lord, we thank you that you are a personal God who is not distant, but who meets us where we're at. And so, Lord, I I pray for each one of us here this morning that whatever might be going on in 
their life these days, Lord. I pray that, that you would draw near and that they would sense your presence in their very midst and their very being. And we give you thanks for all things that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.